remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians? That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then the four little books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, we have three verses of Scripture this morning as our response of reading, and since there's only three verses, we'll make it reading in unity. Read verses 15, 16, and 17 with me together, please. Once again, I'll give you a moment to get there. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15, 16, and 17, reading in unison together, begin. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, realizing this is maybe the most important time of our entire week. This is the first day of the week, and we've come to worship you. We pray that you might be pleased with our thanksgiving. Speak to every heart, we pray, beginning with Christians this morning. Lord, if it be those that have never received Christ as Savior, Spirit of God, do the work of grace in their heart and life as you did in so many of others, millions of other lives, Lord, down through the centuries. We'll thank you for it. Lord, bless in the minutes of thy word, preaching of thy word, we ask, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Colossians chapter 3, two text verses, two phrases, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Thanksgiving is the diet, the constant diet of the Christian life. This is a week of Thanksgiving, of course, on Thursday. Some people call it Turkey Day. For some people, it's football day, of course, but it's a day of proclamation. Our country in 1789, beginning with George Washington, offered a proclamation Thanksgiving prayer, and he addressed Almighty God, and, of course, he was referring to the Almighty God of the Bible. In 1862, Abraham Lincoln made Thanksgiving in the official day of proclamation every year, from 1862 to the present year, every president for every single year since that time have offered a Thanksgiving proclamation. God's word is filled with Thanksgiving passages from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22. The whole book is a book of psalms, a book of praise, a book of thanksgiving. We see that in Genesis 1, God said in everything that he made was good. We see the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen, in Revelation 22. Just to give you some examples, in the Old Testament, Exodus 15, it's a song of Moses. It's a song of praise. It's a song of thanksgiving for Israel being delivered from the Egyptians and crossing over the Red Sea, of course. Psalm 100, the classic psalm that many of us know, of course, and commit to memory, of course, and can recite. 
the Psalm of David, the Psalm of Asaph, and the Psalm of the 150, 49 other Psalms, of course, are Psalms of Thanksgiving. Paul wrote over half of our New Testament, 13 books for sure, 14 we think if he wrote Hebrews, that would be over half of the New Testament. And this is one of scores and scores and scores of passages. I'm referring to Colossians 3, 15 through 17. That's a psalm of thanks, or words of thanksgiving. We could look at the beginning of all of Paul's epistles or his letters, just two for the sake of time. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, for time's sake we won't read it all, but verse 3 starts off, Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 5 says, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The book of the, book of the Bible is for Christians. It's, the New Testament is for Christians, and it's written to us, to, and it's, it deals with thanksgiving and th- praise to the Lord, of course, for all his good. The Bible says, Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that, that everything hath breath. Praise the Lord. I want to give you five biblical truths about Thanksgiving. Just in way of introduction, I'll do this very fast, very, very quickly. First of all, praise or Thanksgiving is Trinitarian in nature. It's trifold in nature or Trinitarian in nature. The Bible says in Romans 1.8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Later on in the next succeeding verses of Romans 1, it deals with the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, the object of thanksgiving it always flows from the Son. Uh, the New Testament object of thanksgiving is always God. It flows from the Son, from whom all blessings flow, and it flows. the source of that thanksgiving is the Holy Spirit of God. We sing the song, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly host. Praise what? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. One God manifested in three persons, a thrice holy God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's Trinitarian and threefold in nature. But then Thanksgiving is not only Trinitarian in its nature. We should praise him internally. We should praise him privately, publicly, and corporately like we're doing this morning in the house of God. Not only Trinitarian in nature, but it's Thanksgiving replaces sin. Ephesians 5, 4 says this, Neither filthiness, nor foolish, jest, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient or not proper, in other words, but rather giving of thanks. You see, we either act with sinful, thankless hearts, which leads to foolish talk and crude jokes, or we act with thank, thankful hearts and thereby please God with our speech. There's two manners of speech, corrupt speech and then godly speech. Corrupt speech and then speech filled with thanksgiving from a thankful heart. And uh, so thanksgiving replaces sin. Thirdly, thanksgiving sanctifies creation. One verse will suffice. 1 Timothy 4.4 4 says this, For every creature of God is good. How many like lobster tail? Amen. How many like clams? I don't, I don't like clams, but uh, I like lobster tail, I like shrimp, and, uh, but I don't like mussels, I don't like clams for some reason. But the Bible says, every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be saved with thanksgiving. The Bible says, in Psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Food is a, when, we, when we, we taste food, good food, we taste just a minute sliver of the goodness of God. 
You know, there's something, I don't know about you, but there's something, sometimes there's only one drink that can satisfy like no other drink in all the world. And I'm not talking about wine, I'm not talking about soda, I'm not talking about juice, I'm talking about the, God, the water that God made, just a glass of good old H2O water. Nothing's better than water sometimes in the case, and sometimes it's, it's life-giving. Jesus is the water of life. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When we, when, we, when we pray at dinner time or at food time, every, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Our food comes from above. Creation is from God. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so we, we, Thanksgiving sanctifies creation. Number four, Thanksgiving is for the, thanks, we have Thanksgiving for the gospel. Many people don't realize what the gospel means. The word gospel means good news. The good news of who? Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. But God commendeth, or God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then, fifthly, thanksgiving for all things. Romans 8, 28, Christians like to quote that verse. And we know that all things work together, what's the next word, help me out, for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not all things are good. Some things are bad, but all things work together for good to them that love God. It's a key, key that you get that right and you get that verse right. God lets us go through valleys that the mountains might be higher. He lets us go through sorrows that the blessings might be greater. God's that type of God. He's the God of the good times and the bad times. He's the God of the good days and the, the, the bad days. And so we thanks, there's thanksgiving for all. There's thanksgiving for the gospel. Thanksgiving sanctifies creation. Thanksgiving replaces sin. Thanksgiving is Trinitarian in its nature, threefold in its nature. But then I want you to peruse the moments that we have this morning, and I'll try not to, I'm trying to be brief this morning. We'll see how that works. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's join Paul, the Apostle Paul, in thanksgiving to three things. If we were to study the 13 or 14 epistles or letters of Paul, we would see this in every one of his letters several times over again. And I want you to notice in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, in fact, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 first. 1 Corinthians 15, would you take your Bibles and would you turn there before I give you the point? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. I asked you to turn to 2 Corinthians, but 1 Corinthians 15, that's right. 2 Corinthians says, but thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And that unspeakable gift, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. There's thanksgiving, first of all, because of Christ. My all in all is Jesus Christ. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's my greatest friend. Sometimes he feels like he's my only friend. He's, He's my life. He's my salvation. He's everything. The song says, he's everything to me. And so, Thanksgiving, Paul says, for Christ. And we say, what do we thank Christ for? for? For multiple things, but just two things in particular. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the, do you know what chapter it's known as? What would you call this chapter? Anybody know? I know you know. Some of you know, you're afraid to say it. It's the resurrection chapter. It's one of the longest chapters in the Bible, in the New Testament at least. 
It's the resurrection chapter. If uh, we have, if verse number 19 tells us if we have hope in Christ, only in this world in Christ and we are above all men most miserable. You see, the resurrection is the archstone, the keystone of Christianity. Without it, there is no Christianity. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You see, we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. He's not in the grave. He rose from the grave from the tomb. And he lives forevermore. The song says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Salvation, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. You see, Paul, thank God for the empty grave. We, are, we have no gospel without this empty grave. In fact, turn to chapter 15, verse number 1, and just notice verse number 1 quickly. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, wherein ye, are, wherein ye stand. I heard the gospel as an 11-year-old boy in a gospel-preaching church in Ohio. I've told the story a thousand times. Here's a thousand and one. And the fast-run version is, I heard the gospel that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save sinners. And I was one of those chief of sinners. I didn't want to go to hell. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Savior, believing he died on the cross, was buried, rose again. I didn't know that he was born of a virgin. I didn't know he was the son of God the Son. I just knew Jesus, God had a son. His name was Jesus. That's all I knew. And I heard the gospel, the good news declared to me. Verse number four, it says of this chapter. And that he was buried. He really died on that cross. And that he rose again the third day. He really rose again according to the scriptures. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I thank God every day for the empty grave. For the fact that he raised, raised again from the, the empty, from the tomb. Because he rose, all those in Christ Jesus will rise again. You see, my hope is in the Lord. And back in 1 Corinthians 15, the latter part of the chapter, it says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? My hope is in an empty grave. My hope is in the fact that Christ rose again. He's the first fruits of the resurrection, all of 1 Corinthians 15. You know, when I was a teenage boy, I first learned in the 1970s, I learned the stories about the rapture, the catching away of the church of Jesus Christ about every believer in Christ. I've been praying for the rapture for 40-some years now. Here it is, 2019. I didn't think we'd see 2000, year 2000. Remember Y2K? <laughs> remember, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to, as a teenage boy, I remember, I, remember, I remember Vietnam. I remember things that uh, uh, in our world, I said, well, we're never going to get through this year. And here we are, 50, 40 years later, we're still here. And I, I thought, for many, much of my life, I thought, I'm not going to go in the, I'm not going to rupture, I'm going to go in the rapture. <laughs> I'm not going to go, uh, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the uppertaker. But the older I get, I realize I might be looking for the, I may be looking for the undertaker, not the uppertaker. <laughs> may go River Jordan and not, uh, uh, not, not through, or go by, the, by death. But I think of the, the truth, and 1 Corinthians 15 says this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, who giveth us the victory. 
You know, one thing I've been to with this rare exception, maybe in some nurses in this room, possibly, but I've been by the death side of hundreds and hundreds, bedside of hundreds and hundreds of dying people. This year, a couple of months ago, just a couple of months back, I was at the deathbed of a certain somebody. I went in, they said he was waiting for me, went in and prayed with him, and I walked out of the room, and nine minutes later, he was in eternity. And I didn't realize he was going to go that quick. I knew he was going to go soon, but I didn't know it was going to be that quick. They said, and several people told me, in fact, last week, two weeks ago, they said, Pastor, he's waiting for you before he died. And uh, I can't imagine dying without knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior. Well, realizing, and so I thank God for the empty tomb, for the empty grave. But Paul not only thanked God because of Jesus Christ in the empty grave, but he thanked God for eternal life. Turn, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians 9. And I want you to see the verse underlined in your Bible. If you, it's the only time this word is found in our New Testament, this this word, I'll show it to you in a second as soon as you get there. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. The Bible says, and the chapter ends with this chapter, really it's a summation of chapters 7, 8, and 9, the chapters on grace giving, sacrificial giving to the work of God, missions giving as we know it as grace giving, faith promise giving. It says, thanks be to God, be unto God for his unspeakable, there's that word unspeakable, that word unspeakable gift. That word unspeakable means inexpressible. It means indescribable, unfathomable, incredible. The gift that passes understanding. Thank God for this unspeakable gift. The gift is none other than Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to think, I ask you the question, how many of you can fathom eternity here? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, you can't. How many of you can count the number of grains of sand upon the seashore? That's an exercise in futility that would last for an eternity. How many of you would, can count the number of stars in the heavens? Scientists, supposedly, have, I got a number in my Bible, it's 46, with, followed by 18 zeros. I don't know what number that is. You figure it out yourself. That's the number of guesstimated stars in the universe. The Bible says he calls the number of stars, he, t- t- he calls them all by their names. He knows the number of cells in your body. He knows the number of atoms. He knows the number of protons, neutrons, electrons, and those quirks, those quirky things that I never, I never knew about when I was a kid. They didn't have quirks when I was a kid. I think they're called quirks or whatever it is called. God knows it all. And you can't even fathom it. You can't even begin to fathom it. How can we fathom the number of eternity, the days in eternity? And yet to be saved by Jesus Christ is to live forever and ever and ever in heaven. It's the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord by being saved and going to heaven forever where there's no more sin, sorrow, sickness, or death. I like Isaac Watts' song. And by the way, I'm not against new contemporary songs depending on if it's, it's praising the Lord. And I'm, new, Contemporary just means new or modern. And I'm all for songs that praise the Lord that are written today or yesterday or last week or so forth. But I, I don't want to throw out the old songs either. I don't want to throw out the Isaac Watts songs. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, Demands my soul, my life, my all. Paul, 
naturally wanted to praise God. He wanted to give thanksgiving to God through, because of Jesus Christ for, for the empty grave, for everlasting life and every eternal gift of salvation in Christ. Now the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness on him, neither can he know them for their spiritually discerned. I talk about being, having this eternal gift of salvation, and there's many people, I'm sure, and that, that this is a foreign concept to them. It's like, that guy's just crazy. But Paul thanked God for everlasting life in Jesus Christ, and I thank God for that eternal life. I know whom I believed in, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm on my way to heaven, thanks to Christ. It's all because of Jesus, not, nothing because of Marty Schott. Nothing because of you. Nothing because of Harvest Baptist Church. It's all because of him. Paul says, I thank God first of all. Thanksgiving with Paul. Thanks, I thank God for, for Jesus Christ. But secondly, Romans chapter, eight, or chapter 1. Let's turn there if you're in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians. Romans is right before that. The book of Romans chapter 1. And verse number 8 begins with the word First. Romans 1.8, Paul said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, notice, for you all. Paul thanked God for, because of Christ, but Paul thanked, had thanksgiving because of Christians. Thank God for every single Christian. Philippians 1.3 says these words, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Paul said of the Philippian Christians. Thank God for other Christians in our lives. I thank God for, I know you don't know this, I, uh, I'm going to, I just, I had my emotional thought, it just came in the middle second ago, I think I'm past it already, it's a good thing. But when I was a boy, I had a lady that prayed for me, her name was Luella, Luella was close to a midget, pardon the language, she's probably about that tall. Her sister Jessie was about this tall, and they were Baba would uh, rather, the world would probably call them spinsters. They were two sisters and never got married. They lived in the same house, very humble house, right down the same, on the same street as our street and on the same country road. And they had an upright piano in their living room. Their living room was about, oh my, one-seventh, one-eighth of this stage. So just a real small, tiny room, just big enough for a, a piano and a couple chairs. And they'd cram in 15, 20 kids in that little living room every Sunday morning, and we'd walk to Sunday school. Luella, I just found this out, the story. Oh, this just popped in my head. I just, just popped in. My mom was telling me about Luella Fenton. She'd be about 140 years old if she was married or if she was alive today. She went to out west you know, from Ohio in a Conestoga wagon as a girl. Went to Wyoming or Kansas, some one of those places. And she flew back 60 years later on a, fly, on a jet. <laughs> Funny the world, how the world changes. But... Luella Fenton, she prayed for me. I was one of her pallbearers as a 15-year-old boy in her funeral. She prayed for me that I'd be a preacher. I thought that lady was crazy. <laughs> I, always did. I felt sorry for her. She wasn't hitting on all eight cylinders. She didn't know. She had no idea. Her elevator didn't go to the top. I mean, she, I just, there was just no way that I was ever going to be a preacher. It never even entered my mind. She said, Martin, I'm praying for you. I think of other Christians in my life. I think of Pastor Ben, and some of you know him, but I knew him before Alzheimer's. I think of Pastor Swanson, and I, I know that, pardon me, as I'm thinking of my, 
Christians in my life. I want you to think of your Christians in your life. Pastor Swanson is 96 years old. He's read his Bible through probably 500 times, 12 times a year, three hours a day, every once a month. He's 96 years old, pastor for 57 years. I've told the story many times. He challenged me 35 years ago, 38 years ago, to start reading my Bible. I'll finish officially for 32 times here in a month or so. Just do it every year, once a year now. God's been good. But Christians, don't, thank God for every Christian. We're not alone. Don't get the Elijah syndrome. Don't think, and we got a low crowd this morning. Let's just be honest with this situation here. We got, well, it looks like about maybe 75 people here if we got that. 80 people, whatever it is. And so, uh, but we think we're the only ones. Elijah had that syndrome too, didn't he? Lord said, hey, Elijah, 7,000 of him about the knee. There's millions of Christians all over the world today that are serving God. There's millions or hundreds of thousands of churches, not only in America, but throughout the world that are serving God. And it's been going on for 2,000 years. The gates of hell should not prevail against his church. Thank God for every Christian. I thank God for those Christians that have been examples in my life. And that brings me to Paul not only had thanksgiving because of Christians for every Christian, but secondly, for, for serving Christians. And if you're still at Romans chapter 1, we read verse 8, but verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He goes on to say, in verses 10 and 11, if you just glance at it, of course, that he prays that they may be established. He's serving Christians in Rome. Thank God for serving Christians. I was talking to, and now I'm talking to the air for a moment, but you can just listen up if you'd like. I was, uh, somebody called me this past week. Actually, I called them a former attender of our church, and they've been out of church for many years now. And I just, I called them on a different matter, whatever. They called me back, and and they must spend the Holy Spirit because it wasn't me. They said, Pastor, I know I need to be in church, and I, I'm planning on getting there. I don't know what's the matter with me. I've been this way for a long time. And says, uh, I just want you to know that uh, I feel bad about it. And I says, and I, I didn't want to make that person feel bad. Holy Spirit was already doing that. I didn't have to pile on. But uh, what I really wanted to say was, and I, I, was, I was honest on one side of the coin. I was honest with the, the fact that uh, I didn't want to pile on, didn't want to make them feel bad. But the other side of the coin was, you'd help if you were in the house of God. You'd be a blessing. You'd be an encouragement if you were here. And uh, it does hurt a little bit, admittedly, but I didn't tell them that. Hopefully the Holy Spirit of God will work on their heart. Millions of Christians like that case that are not serving God that once served God, once lived for God, once gave to the work of God to support missionaries around the world, but they're not doing that now. Paul said, I thank God for every Christian, but I thank God especially for serving Christians. Thank God we're not in this alone. We're in this together, and it's teamwork makes the dream work. God's called us to serve him. So just three things that Paul gave thanksgiving for over and over and over again in his epistles. He had thanksgiving for Christ, for his empty grave, and for his eternal life, for eternal gift of salvation. He gave thanks to Christians, for every Christian, for serving Christians. But thirdly, Turn one more time in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians, if you would, please. That little book of 1 Thessalonians. All the five T books are after the General Electric Power Company. You say, what's that, preacher? That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm just helping you memorize your Bible here. That's what I'm trying to do. But uh, the T books are all together. They're all in alphabetical order, as a matter of fact. There's five of them. 
And 1 Thessalonians would be the first of the five T books, as I call them. 1 Thessalonians 5. Hey, you're going to forget this message real quick. I'm not naive. Long after you forget this message, I hope from years from now you'll remember these verses. Maybe we can memorize a verse together here. I'm referring to 1 Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 16. Let's see if we can memorize this today, okay? On the count of three, we're going to read the whole verse together, okay? On the count of three, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you. I'm glad you read that. I almost forgot it. I was going to read Pray Without Ceasing. <laughs> Rejoice evermore. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says what? Help me out. Rejoice evermore. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says what? Say it one more time. You just memorized the Bible verse. Be joyful. Now maybe we can memorize verse 17. I know I'm pressing you. But let's see if we just try that together. Ready? On the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Pray without ceasing. Oh, that was good. Let's try it one more time. Ready? Pray without ceasing. Let's put them together. Let's see if we can get all five of them together. All five words together. Ready? Ready? Here we go. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And then we get to verse number 16. Now, 17. Now we really got our work cut out for us. In, what's the next word? Help me out. Everything. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanksgiving not only for Christ, thanksgiving for Christians, but thanksgiving constantly. Every day, the psalmist said, every day will I bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Each day is a gift from God. What you do with it is your gift to him. I almost always, in almost all my funeral, I never call them funeral services, I call them memorial services. Almost all of my memorial services, you've been to a number of them. I've had over 400 and working on 500 now. By, by the way, I say this, I buried a lot of people, Brother McGee, you know this. I've had, I've gave the, the, the benediction and the, the, the sermon, the funeral sermon to people that never heard me preach one time in my life. Hundreds of them, actually. The only time they've ever come to church, either in a, in a coffin or in a little box, they come after they're deceased. And I'm expected to preach them into heaven there. I'm being facetious. Sorry for that. But every day, the psalmist says, I use this verse in funeral services. Psalm 90, verse number 2. So teach us to number our days, not our years, not our months. In fact, it's Marge's birthday today. I just found that out. Let's sing happy birthday to Marge. Ready? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Marge. Happy birthday to you. Now, I think that's the first time in 34 years of preaching that I've ever sang happy birthday to anybody during the message. That's the first, Marge. You're special. Today's her birthday. But tomorrow's going to be a, another birthday, if you will, for Marge, if she lives tomorrow and if we live tomorrow. You see, we have no guarantee of tomorrow any of us do. Every day is a gift from God. Make every day count in every day. And thank God for today. We might not have tomorrow. But thank God for every day. Then thank God in, constantly in every way. You need not turn there, but Philippians 4.11, Paul said while he was in a Roman prison, I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, there would to be what? Content. 
Paul, we believe he only lived to be in his 60s at best, maybe late 50s, maybe early 70s at the most. He was a young man when they laid down, his, they laid down their garments at the apostles, or Saul's feet in the stoning of Stephen. You know the story. That was some 30 years before. So he was a young man, maybe he's 30. He has his head taken off when he's in his 60s. Paul's in a prison. He was in prison at least twice that we know of, maybe three times. Paul said, I've learned what sort of state I'm in. There were to be content. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. You see, Paul was stoned in Lystra. Remember that? God, thank you, I'm getting stoned. No, he thanked God that God brought him through that stoning, of course. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. God brought him through it. God, uh, Paul had poor eyesight. He was probably going blind. He was short of stature. We read from several verses that indicate that. He was probably not a very handsome guy. And yet the Bible says that the Lord's, Lord's Spirit spoke to him and he says, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so he most gladly, therefore, will rather glory. He gave God praise. He was thankful in every way. He was forsaken. One last passage I want you to turn there and we'll make some summary statements and be done here. Turn, if you're in 1 Thessalonians 5, turn a few more pages to 1 Timothy. Or excuse me, 2 Timothy it is. Or, well, that was nice that you turned to 2 Timothy. I'm, uh, don't, don't turn to 1 Timothy. Turn back to Philippians. I'm sorry. I wanted to just quote to you 1 Timothy 4 while you're turning to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 in just a moment. But in 1 Timothy 4, Paul knew what it was like to be forsaken. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He said, only Luke is with me. How many people were with Paul when he died in that Roman prison? How many people were with Christ when he was crucified? A handful of women, five or six women, and one lone Young, probably teenage disciples named John. Just a handful were there at the cross. Only a handful were there, and we don't know of anybody that was there when Paul was executed. He said, only Luke is with me when he said he was in prison. But in Philippians 4, he said, he talked about all his, about being stoned, and yet he thanked God through it all. Shipwrecked, eyesight loss, uh, short of stature, despised, forsaken. And then he says in Philippians 4, and I'm paraphrasing, that no church communicated with him as, with me as such as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, speaking to the church at Philippi. And I'm referring to verse 15. But Paul said, in verse number 17 I wanted to get to, he said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that I may bound to your account. This is our annual sacrifice Sunday offering. We've already taken the collection. We'll take it tonight again as well. And uh, I'm hoping for somebody to put in a check for $300,000 this morning. I hope, I hope you, you are the person that did that. I hope there's two people. You say, preacher, you're being silly. You're being fresh. Not trying to be fresh. You're not trying to be smart aleck. Just maybe a little humorous. I don't know anybody that's got $300,000 here. No offense. Maybe you do, and I don't know about it. But uh, to God be the glory. Paul, Paul didn't say, I want you to give the money because I need it. He said, I want to give you, not that I desire a gift, for 17, but, that it may, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. The Bible says, 
Jesus said, Lay not up your treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, nor thieves do break through and steal. For where, but lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves do break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's the giving to the work of God. So there, we, constantly there's giving. Or there's, there's, we, we can praise God in our worship time of our offering collection, in our singing time. Every, in every way we can praise him, we can thank him. Every day we can thank him. And then let her see. Let me hurry along and do this here and then make application. We're done. Not, not only do we praise him constantly in every day, in every way, but in expectation till he comes. We've already talked about the catching away the rapture. Oh, a lot of people mock that. I understand that. They mocked Jesus coming. You know, the prophets for thousands of years had been telling the story how Jesus would come to the earth and the wise men figured it out. Herod didn't figure it out and he was right there in the backyard. Jesus did come the first time. And the angel said in Acts chapter 1, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus has gone into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. He's coming again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of the king. Jesus is coming again. He's coming again, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, but will be soon. Paul wrote about it over and over again in all of his epistles, every one of his letters. He says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Titus 2, 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We look forward, we, we, we give him thanksgiving until he comes again. We give, give him thanks in every way, in every day. And when we talk about thanksgiving, though, I conclude with these thoughts here. I want you to consider this. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, indescribable gift. I've, in my poor way, in the last 38 minutes or so that I've been preaching, I'm looking at that clock there, and uh, the last 37 minutes I've tried to disseminate the praise and glory and honor and how we should give the Lord all thanksgiving to his name, to his wonderful name, that we should praise his name because he's so worthy. And I can't find words. This, this tongue of mine can't find the words to express the words of gratitude. The songwriter said it this way, How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. And of course goes, you know it, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things he hath done. With his blood he has saved me. With his power he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he has done. The last verse and the second verse and last verse says, just let me live my life and let, me, let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With his blood he has saved me. With his power he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things he hath done. Thanksgiving shouldn't be a one-time-a-year activity of Americans. Thanksgiving shouldn't just be on Thursday or the fourth Thursday of every November. Shouldn't it be just on the one particular Sunday of Sunday preceding Thanksgiving or succeeding Thanksgiving, the, the holiday, the holy day. It should be an everyday affair, starting from the time that we wake up till the time that we go to bed. 
in the morning we'll praise him and give him honor and glory and praise. So we thank God for Christ. We thank him for Christians. We're not in it alone. We thank him constantly, every day, every way, in expectation for his coming. That leads me to the last little takeaway home, take, take, take away, rather. Thanksgiving was the language of Paul, no doubt about it. I'm not talking, I just looked at Paul Eternal. I'm not talking about Paul, but it's Paul Eternal too. But it was first of Paul the Apostle. Thanksgiving is the language, what's the language of Paul? It is the language of heaven. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, get used to it. No cursing in heaven, thank God for that. No foul language in heaven. No pornography in heaven. No, no sadness, no sadistic, no, no, no murder, no, no sorrow, no sickness, no death. Former things have passed away. We'll be praised forevermore. It's the language of heaven. Here's the question. Is Thanksgiving my language? Is it my language? The world doesn't understand it. The world might think you're crazy. Your friends might think you're crazy. Your relatives might think you're crazy. But to God be all the glory for the great things he hath done. Let us thank God for his son, Lord Jesus Christ, through his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. To God be the glory of great things he hath done. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory. We thank you, for first of all, for Christ, without whom we have no life. We have no eternity, no hope. We are above all men most miserable. If in this life only we have hope, we are above all men most miserable. But Lord, we have hope in Christ. It's a blessed hope. It's an expectation that we will see him and we will live with you forever and ever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanksgiving. We can't find words to describe Lord, bless, we pray. Help us to, with a newfold consecration to give you praise and glory. We're in training for the place called heaven for eternity. Lord, to give you praise, and we'll thank you for it. Lord, I pray that there may be those that need to receive Christ as their Savior. We pray they speak in hearts of all people within the sound of this voice this morning. In the last moments together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's sing that song, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. Page